Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Open your Bibles, please. We have found that it's best if you have notes. So if you need notes, you did not receive a copy of the notes, quickly raise your hand. And ushers, quickly serve them. How do you quickly raise your hand? In cold weather, it's very easy. Go like that. Mark 10.45, please. This message is entitled, Jesus gave himself as a ransom for many. It comes directly from Mark 10.45. Here's what the Bible, the Word of God says. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This passage is really about God's justice and God's mercy intersecting in God's man, Jesus. Let's take a moment to pray and ask God to unfold the glorious truths of this passage to us. God's burden this morning is that we would see and understand the gospel truth revealed in Jesus, so that we would then respond with the gospel conduct he expects from us. Let's pray. Father, help us to apply this message by first seeing the message. Reveal your Son to us, Father, in the pages of your scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. I labored to find an illustration that would capture the heroic, sacred nature of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, giving his life as a ransom for you and me, and I could find none that was heroic or sacred enough to do so. At least until I had my quiet time on Friday and read Psalm 106. And specifically in Psalm 106.23, I found a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. It says the following, and you might want to jot this scripture down if it's not already in your notes. Psalm 106, verse 23 says the following. Therefore, he said, this is God speaking about God. Therefore, he said, God said, he would destroy them, and the them is Israel. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. God was right to destroy Israel because Israel was breaking God's law and worshiping other gods and committing immoral acts and living for themselves. But God had mercy on Israel by providing his chosen one, Moses. And Moses, his chosen one in the Old Testament, prefigured Jesus Christ. His ultimate chosen one, who didn't stand in the breach, but hung on a cross. Not just to turn away God's wrath, but to receive God's wrath. For you and for me. And because he did that, then God's commandment to us this morning from this passage is simply this. Live to serve God and others. Whom do you serve? This is a question that's very important. We are called to serve God because he's our creator. And we're called to serve others as his creation because that's what he did when he came. However, we are born as rebels and every one of us prefers to serve ourselves first, second, third, and all the time. (laughs) The gospel truth is this, that Jesus came 
to die for us, rebellious, selfish sinners. To transform us from self-serving people to selfless disciples of Christ. That's the, that's the deal here. The truth is Jesus died to take our sin, and then the conduct is we're then to serve God and others as a response. As a matter of fact, dear friends, the most outstanding evidence that you're a Christian is that you really do serve others and that you get a measure of joy out of it and that your life is characterized by serving God and others. Yes, there are moments of self-serving. I had one yesterday. I had two yesterday. Maybe three. But there were also moments yesterday of serving God and you that I delighted in. There are hours I did not sleep because I love serving you. And that does not come naturally to me. That is not original equipment to Alpino. That was a modification. All right? It was a modification done to Alpino. By Jesus Christ. Has he modified you in that manner? Do you live to serve God and others or do you live just to serve yourself? Are you even here right now? Because maybe it's good for you. It'll make your life easier or better. Are you here because God called you and he loved you and he revealed his son to you and you want to serve him? See, the first point is this. Christ died to give us life. This passage, Mark chapter 10, 45, comes at the end of a section that begins in verse 32 with Jesus giving himself for us. And it ends in verse 45 with Jesus giving himself for us. And sandwiched in the middle is Jesus telling us we should then give ourselves for God and others. Well, let's read it. Mark 10, 32 to 34 says this. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed that they there are the disciples. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him. Verse 33, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. This term delivered over in verse 33, delivered over. It's a Greek word translated into the English delivered over. And the word is paradidomai. And it means that he was handed over to God's wrath for our sakes. In your notes, there should be a quote by Peter Bolt, a theologian, saying the following. Being handed over to human hands, or the hands of sinners, indicates that Jesus was handed over to God's wrath. For in the Old Testament, those who were handed over to sinners were delivered over because they stood under God's wrath. Friends, remember that Christ died to give us life, and let this truth stir your affections for God. Why do I move my arms so much? Well, this morning, because I'm kind of cold, but even when I'm not cold... Because I'm stirred in my affections by the fact that God gave his son to die for me. Are you stirred? Point two. Apart from Christ, we live to serve ourselves. There is something in us that rebels against God's command to serve him and others. Look at verses 35 to 41. Notice how they reveal disciples who fail to see that Jesus is the suffering servant, fail to see that the Messiah came first to serve and not be served, and they so represent us. They're so ambitious. 
Look at this, verse 35 of Mark chapter 10. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were called the sons of thunder, came up to him and and said to him, the ultimate politic right here. I mean, they're politicking big time, baby. This is backroom politics. They kind of pull Christ aside. The other ten are walking up there. They say, hey, Jesus, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't it amazing? He played along. He said, well, what what do you want me to do for you? He knew. (laughs) And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? And they said to him, well, we're able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand Or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Now look at verse 41. James and John get busted because someone squeals on them and everybody finds out what they just tried to pull. Verse 41. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. Everybody in the whole group, except for Jesus, failed to see that the suffering servant is the mark of God's man. And that to serve and give his life for many is why he came. Do you fail to see that? Are you offended when God asks you to suffer and die to what you want? Is somehow that, does that somehow not fit into your concept of Christianity? Oh, please see that Christ calls you to live to serve others. That's what Mark 10, 42 to 44 says. Jesus calls them all around him. says, hey guys, over here. All right, everybody, come here. I know what's going on here. Let me once again share with you God's mind. Different from the world's mind. Different from what the scribes and Pharisees are thinking. Different maybe from what you want. I'm not going to bring my kingdom right now and defeat the Romans. I'm going to suffer and die. And here's the deal. Verse 42 of Mark chapter 10. And Jesus called to them, to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them? And their great ones exercise authority over them, right? We all know that, don't we? We've all had bosses like this. Hey, we've been bosses like that. And if we've not, we've wanted to be bosses like that. Everybody's bossing someone around, right? Verse 43, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave or the slave of all. How do you define greatness? Whom do you live to serve? Point three. Christ ransomed us from God's wrath to serve him and others. Christ ransomed us from God's wrath to serve him and others. Remember what this whole passage is about. Remember Mark 10, 45. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This word ransom is the Greek word lutron, and it means the price of release. The ransom as when a slave is ransomed. It means to give up one's life as a ransom for many. It means that God gave his son as a ransom for us. If God called us to live for him and to serve him, he did it because Christ first lived to serve us and died to ransom us. Oh, I want you to look at this this whole idea of the cup that Jesus drank. This is a powerful, 
powerful section. The cup that Jesus drank was the cup of God's wrath. And I want you to jot this down because there are some in the body of Christ today that would dispute this. They have a problem with this definition of the atonement. But, oh, Scripture is so clear. Write this down. Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Mark 14, 36. Here's what it says. Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus understood very well that this cup that he was called to drink was not the cup of blessing, but rather it was the cup of cursing. Look at Psalm 75, verse 8. And I believe the scriptures are going to be displayed for you on the screen. So just jot them down for further reference. Psalm 75, verse 8, speaks of a cup. And it says this, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. Jesus drank the cup that all the wicked of the earth drink down to its dregs. He emptied the cup of God's wrath, so there is no more wrath for you and me, because Jesus took it all. He not only stood in the breach, he hung on the cross, not to turn away God's wrath, but to drink it like a poison that killed him. You and I should have drank that poison. He drank it and was tormented. Oh, look at Isaiah 51, 17. Isaiah 51, 17 says this. Isaiah prophesying about this cup says, Wake yourself, wake yourself, stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, the cup of staggering. It's a cup of staggering. Jesus staggered going up La Via Dolorosa. Jesus staggered when they nailed his body on the cross. Jesus staggered under the weight of his own body as his lungs collapsed and he suffocated to death. He staggered under the judgment of God that was meant for you and me. He drank it to the dregs. And finally, look at Jeremiah 25, verses 15 and 16. Jeremiah 25, verses 15 and 16. The cup of the Lord's wrath is described here by Jeremiah the prophet. Thus the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath, and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. They shall drink and what? Stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I'm sending among them. Jesus was driven to be crazed for you and me. He was driven out of his mind for you and for me. If anyone should have been driven out of our minds, it's you and me. We deserve it. But Jesus took that for you, took the guilt that torments you and drives you. He was crazed. Christ for you and me. God calls us to serve him and others. That's the gospel conduct that the gospel truth of Jesus dying to ransom us tells us. True discipleship, my friends, means taking up your cross and following Jesus. Oh, yes, it does. 
Mark 8, 34 through 38 tells us this very clearly. Jesus speaking to his disciples and calling the crowd to him with his disciples. He said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of God also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. My dear friends, the application of all these truths is just what has been written to us, what God's record is. We must pick up our cross. We must die daily and follow him by serving others. You have to die to yourself to serve others. Isn't that true? Don't make this super spiritual. This isn't about you being a missionary somewhere and dying. You don't live in Cuba. You live in the United States. Thank God for that. But then pick up your cross and die to what you want and serve your wife, your husband, your children, your neighbors, your boss. And then go the extra, not the extra, that's not the extra mile. Go the the same mile you're supposed to go as a Christian and serve those who are ungrateful and who are mocking you. Because that's what Jesus did. And he bids us to follow him. Do you remember our opening illustration from Psalm 106 of Moses standing in the breach and turning back God's righteous wrath? against his people? Well, that psalm went on to detail just how rebellious Israel was. Just like us, the list is long and it's ugly. Here is the amazing part, though, of Psalm 106. It does not end about talking concerning the people's sin and the judgment they deserve. It doesn't end the way you think it would, with the people dying in the desert because of their rebellion. It doesn't. It ends with God's mercy not our sin. Jot down this next to application. Psalm 106, verses 45 to 48. Psalm 106, verses 45 to 48. And read with me what it says. You silently, I'll read it out loud, and and appreciate God's mercy. (laughs) For their sake, Israel, us, he, God, remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. He caused them to be pitied by all those who held them captive. Verse 47, save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Verse 48, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, amen. Praise the Lord. You see, folks, God's mercy on us in Christ was prefigured here in God's mercy on Israel through Moses. And so that mercy calls us to obey. Jesus came to serve by giving his life as a ransom for us, and he calls us to serve him and others as a result of his offering. The fruit of the gospel is a life lived to serve God and one another. The gospel transforms selfish people like us into selfless disciples of Christ. Thank you. Moms, for serving your children. I can think of no example greater than you moms who serve your children. Some of you moms in this difficult economy have to work. Thank you for laying your life down for your children because you do it in faith. You do it trusting God and you do it with God's smile on you because you are representing Jesus 
Christ. Thank you, moms, who can stay home and teach your children, and you are dying to your desire to do what you want to do. When there's four little ones looking at you and say, Mom, what are we doing today? And what are we going to do the next 365 days? And mom, my foot hurts, my tooth hurts. Mom, he's punching me, she's punching her. Mom, there's a frog in the house. Mom, there's a spider on your shoulder. Mom, I put it there, sorry. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, men. Thank you for not doing what you want to do and coming home and serving your wives when you're exhausted. It's been a tough day. And not focusing on yourselves, but saying, I'm going to focus on someone else. Thank you for not unplugging, turning the TV on, saying, this is my time. Woman, serve me. But coming home and serving your wives, thank you for changing the diapers. Because, you know, she's been doing it all day. And even though you're tired, you say, honey, let me take over. Thank you. Thank you. You are living as Christians. You are living as Jesus Christ. These application questions here are for your consideration to continue doing what you're doing. And if you're not doing it, to bring gentle conviction and faith that God will equip you to do it. Number one, how can you remind yourself daily of the gospel truth that Christ gave his life as a ransom for your sin? That's where it starts. It doesn't start in you generating this out of your own self. It starts with God initiating it and giving his son and us responding to that initiative. Remind yourself daily. This sermon would be a great way to remind yourself, talking about it, applying it. Number two. How are you presently serving God and others? Look for grace first. Don't look for all the wrong things. Catch one another doing things right. Find where you are serving one another. You'll be surprised how many times you're dying to self. Celebrate it. Give glory to God. Tell the Lord, I wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for you, Lord. Yeah. I think of of the Kidos family. I think of Nestor Kidos. And, And I just think, when I first met that guy years and years ago, he was not a believer. And I look at him now, and I see him over there helping with the children's ministry. And I see him asking yesterday, hey, Roberto, can I bring, do we need to set things up and bring things for the, uh, the new members class? And they provide the breakfast. And, and, and I see him caring for his wife, Maite, and his children. And, and, I, and, I, and yesterday he gave a testimony in tears, honoring Marcos Gonzalez, because God used Marcos really to reach Nestor. And, and, and I just, I say, Nestor Quiroz would never do these things if God hadn't first acted on his life, revealed Christ to him. And each of you has a, has a testimony like that. Trumpet that testimony to bring glory to God. But then number three, do the hard work in light of your acceptance in Christ to ask those who love you and are closest to you the following question. And before you ask them this question, say, Please know that I won't get mad at you no matter what you say. Okay? Give them that freedom. Ask this question. Al, where do you find... So I'm asking this to my children. Melinda, where do you find me living for my agenda and myself rather than for Christ's agenda and others? Melinda, please be specific in your examples. Not because I don't believe you. Because real change is only found in my life when you bring me details. Well, Dad, when you come in listening to your iPod that you've downloaded the podcast from, pardon the interruption, from ESPN's website, and you come home from work listening to that, and we're all saying, hi, Dad, and just walk right by us, that may be one example right there. (laughs) You're right, Mindy. 
So as I bomb in, I'm listening to PTI. You know what I'm trying to do now is turn it off, get the earphones out, put them in my pocket. Now, that's a little thing, right? But do you know that there are days when I say, I deserve listening to PTI. Is listening to PTI a sin? No, it's not. (laughs) By golly, I'm the man of God. I'm the servant of God here. And that's total deception and a lie. I need to turn off PTI, and I need to serve my family. And it's dying in the little things where then if God does call me someday to give my life, literally, I can die in the big things. What do you need to die to? Ask those around you. They'll probably tell you very quickly. (laughs) Smile at them too. Number four, what changes do you need to make to better serve God and others? Turn off PTI before you come in the door. It can be that simple. 